on the viewpoint. South Africa is experiencing an epidemiological transition as a result of socio-demographic and lifestyle changes. This process seems to be leading to an increase in non-communicable diseases, which in turn may have a direct impact on the upswing of stroke cases in the country. Strokes are among the top 10 leading causes of disability in South Africa and accounts for some 25,000 deaths annually and 95,000 years lived with disability. This huge burden of stroke hampers socioeconomic development as a result of YLD, years lived with disability. Each of us knows someone who has been affected one way or the other by a stroke in the past few years and many, and I do too, wonder how common this is. Okay, now we engaged this evening with a neurologist people who literally study brains imagine the brains you must have to study brains well there are plenty of that there with dr comfort shabamampane who is on the line on this monday and you know what the segment is hashtag health on monday comfort good evening thank you so much for joining us welcome to safm good evening Songezo. thank you very much for having me on your show Something which is quite sobering as a conversation to have, but precisely because it is sobering, so it is important to have it. The people and the age at which they are engaged, or rather who are seized with these sorts of diseases, non-communicable diseases, these health issues which manifest in stroke, that demographic is changing, the age is dropping, and it's challenging certain preconceived stereotypes properly in the healthcare space, isn't it? No, absolutely. And um, I think just with the recent celebrity, we all know that uh, recently had a stroke. You know, she, people would look at her and think she doesn't look like somebody would have a stroke. So it's definitely changing in terms of you know how people look, in terms of age, in terms of gender. So this is a very important conversation. Why is that happening? I think really it's happening mostly due to um, lifestyle. Um, I think you mentioned in your intro about communicable diseases, we're seeing a higher prevalence of um, hypertension, diabetes, hypercholesterolemia, and these are all significant risk factors for strokes. Now, young people, the lifestyles they live and the access to a lot of the things that perhaps the generations before them might not have had is part of why perhaps the demographic in certain health conditions is changing and not changing for the better. The question Mm -hmm. then becomes as to health advocacy in the country. And if you really want to get scientific and particular about it, even how food is packaged would help address that. But the packaging of food without anything that corroborates that packaging from an advocacy perspective, still, we go back to it, almost becomes a stillborn. How do we ensure that then from a public health perspective, we are engaging in the sorts of public health advocacy that is quite akin to the last two years of how a public health concern can be with the right advocacy campaign program can be addressed and addressed appropriately. Yeah, I think we've got to, um, we've got to make it um, easily accessible um, and we've got to make it relevant, relevant to our community. So, you know, I really like to focus on health promotion and disease yes. prevention. You know, I think mm. when we start looking at curing disease, we've missed uh, the boat a lot of the time. So we need to look at promoting health. We need to look at, you know, changing our lifestyles, becoming more mobile, 
more exercise, more active, um, and to try and make um, healthy healthy living, healthy food, you know, a healthy diet, make that attractive to just the general public. When people talk about a stroke, I think I know what happens. There are many who similarly might think they know what happens, but I think it's always good from time to time, and now is that good time, to mention the obvious, the science of a stroke. What happens? Why does it happen? And importantly, as you have just alluded to, how can we prevent that from happening? Yeah, so when one has a stroke, um, what happens is that there's interruption of blood supply to a certain part of the brain. And this can be as a result of blockage of an artery or it can be due to a rupture, so it bursts. And that results in interruption of blood supply to that part of the brain, which, you know, sometimes we term it as a brain attack in essence. Okay? And the symptoms that we will be seeing are, you know, we like to use the acronym BFAST. Sometimes we just shorten it to FAST. But I like to include BE as well. So B would be patients sometimes who complain about loss of balance or loss of coordination. E is for eye. They have trouble seeing or they may have double vision. Um, on the face, you can see droopiness or weakness on one part of the face. A is for arm, so you'd have weakness of your arm. It can also be weakness of your leg. S would stand for speech, so any kind of slurring of speech or difficulty in understanding speech. So this is all, you know, and T is for time. So time is the separate thing that we'll maybe talk about on treatment. But these are all really um, just simple ways of how you can pick up if somebody's having a stroke and these are the common symptoms of a stroke. Let's talk about the aspect that you talked to just now, time. Yeah, so the reason that time is very important is, first of all, if you pick up those symptoms, it's time to call ambulance services or take your, your family member to, to a, a facility where they can treat stroke. And importantly, it's to note the time that these symptoms have started because there's a specific window period where we can treat strokes, and that is within four and a half hours. So if you present within four and a half hours, there's certain different treatments that we can offer you when you get into a, into a casualty setting. I think the important message here that we should probably all take away is the fact that a stroke, relatively speaking, can be prevented by leading a healthy lifestyle. And this is something that every health condition can be significantly reduced. The good old healthy lifestyle that involves eating right, avoiding stressful situations, spaces, and even people, one might say, (laughs) and also just being physically active. That can never be stressed enough. But, of course, I can say it. It might not have as much meaning as somebody like you with the experience that you have has in ensuring that advocacy aspect that leads to prevention as opposed to treatment stroke cure. Do tell us, please, even state the obvious about the value of healthy living that can significantly reduce the potential attack of a stroke. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've mentioned the healthy living that will include um, exercise. So we recommend at least 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise or aerobic exercise. So that includes walking, running, cycling, swimming, um, at least 30 minutes, and then Nutrition-wise, um, obviously you need to avoid a high-fat, high-sugar, high-salt um, um, diet. Also important to know your own numbers. So when I say know your numbers, I mean know what your blood pressure is, know what your glucose um, is, know what your cholesterol levels are, 
you know, it's very important to have that as as a baseline for, you know, every patient. And um, to avoid things like smoking, um, stress, as you mentioned, make sure you're sleeping enough. Those are very, very important things to, to really incorporate into a healthy lifestyle. There are people who wear lack of rest, lack of sleep as a badge of honor. I go to bed at midnight, mm. I make sure I've read my papers, I've sent all those emails and I've read a chapter mm. or two about this thing, book mm. or whatever, and I am up at 5 a.m. making sure that I am on top mm. of my emails. I make sure that I literally have a moment to myself before the world wakes up. That might have been at whatever time, something which was a badge of honor, but in relation to what you have said, it is the very opposite that then becomes a badge of honor, getting the good old thing of sleep and its value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, sleep for me, you know, if you think about a health pyramid, I like to put sleep at the bottom. We recommend seven to nine hours of of sleep, you know, because we know that sleep deprivation causes a lot of metabolic problems including strokes, heart attacks, cardiovascular dis- um, disorders, you know, all those things. So it's very, very important that we get enough sleep and get enough rest. Let's talk about medical development and related technologies that are coming into the market. I'm thinking from medical devices perspective now. And the value of nanotechnology. I mean, nanotechnology, whilst I'm not necessarily advocating for the treatment more than I am the prevention, but at the end of the day, there still needs to be a treatment component to fighting this disease. And to that extent, the advent of technology, nanotechnology, particularly in fighting, among other things, conditions like strokes. Can you tell us from a science and a developmental perspective where we are in relation to that as a nation? Sure. Um, I think we're still quite far, you know. Um, if I think about in Johannesburg, we have our main, main um, stroke referral center that we, we sent to uh, Mopark or, you know, those kind of hospitals that are definitely not using nanotechnology, they're not using robots or anything like that. It's, you know, regular human hands that are, are you know, making sure that we try and treat the clot or using medication. So I think with nanotechnology, we're a bit of, bit of a distance away. Um, unless I do more research and find out that we are otherwise. But as far as I'm aware, mm. not really. No, my research is relatively consistent <clears throat> with what you say, and I suppose what the implication for that is we probably have more people than as a result of that who could otherwise, from a B-fast response perspective, mm. the persons around them are not as aware, public mm. health advocacy and related community mm. engagement campaigns, but also mm. we are just hamstrung by resources as a nation. So even if, in best circumstances, the BVA, the BFOST has been engaged, that's only but one of the two legs. The second leg really is the medical treatment now mm. in mm. the space of healthcare. Private sector tends to be, of course, in South Africa, performing considerably better in certain um, indicators than public health care, but the public health care resources do require some urgent attention against the spend in this country, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's it's really just a case of um, the decreased amount of resources for you know a large population, and I think that's where the discrepancy lies, that there's just not enough of anything, not enough beds, not enough medication, 
um, which creates obviously a very, very big problem in terms of service delivery. In the two years of COVID-19, and we're wrapping the conversation up, is there anything that we can pick up that is a relationship or a nexus between Mm. strokes as we are now as a society engaging in the Mm. advent of COVID-19 times, which is a marked difference or an Mm. outlier against what we knew of and about strokes before March 2020? So I think the short answer is that there is possibly a link. There's still a lot of research that needs to be done in this area. What um, some studies have found is that there is a, a real link, and they're finding it in the acute setting. So in patients who have acute COVID, usually in the first three days or in the first week, they are at risk of a stroke because of the, you know, we know that with uh, COVID you get an exaggerated inflammatory response. And because of that, you get damage to your endothelial cells, which are the cells within your arteries, which result in more clot formation. And that, you know, is seen to be the risk factor. So they have found a definite um, link in some studies, in others not so much. But I think the, the, the risk of clotting is definitely there. So that's one thing that we are aware of um, in terms of COVID and stroke. Finally, and I left this question for last I was quite struck by the fact that there are some 95,000 years of the numbers of the persons who are affected by stroke. They amount to effectively Mm 95,000 years lived with the disability. Now, that Mm -hmm. is costly, never mind from a Mm -hmm. time perspective, but also Mm -hmm. from a resource perspective. Mm -hmm. And the secondary or knock-on effects from a health perspective Mm. On the on, on society, I mean, 95,000 years, imagine being a caregiver to this person if it is a spouse yeah. to another or a child yeah. to a spouse. People with strokes at a lot of the time, not all the time, can hardly do, depending on the severity of the stroke, cannot mm. look after themselves. And I'm just mm. wondering if whether or not South Africa should perhaps equally not be engaging the loss that comes with the stroke, not the physical loss of the individual who Mm -hmm. is impaired by or dies Mm -hmm. as a result of, but the loss to the community as a result now of having to live with or treat somebody who has suffered from a stroke. Spend some time talking to us about the losses that come with that, please. Yeah, absolutely. So stroke is um, one of the biggest, you know, causes of disability um, in this country. And the burden of it, um, as you've mentioned, is not just with the individual concerned. I mean, already that is a big burden. Um, it's a sudden onset. One minute you find, the next you're not, and it's, it's life-changing. So, you know, you've got to think about that person in terms of employability. Um, you've got to think about that person in terms of um, health-seeking, the health, you know, amount of money that they spend on their health, you know, that's quite significant. But not just that, the burden on, on families, on caregivers, on communities. Mm. Um so, you know, I'm very passionate about making sure that we, first of all, prevent strokes. But if, yeah. you know, prevent a stroke is not preventable, we need to be treating it acutely. We need to educate the community about picking up when someone is having a stroke, making sure you get to the correct facility within the correct amount of time. You know, those, that's how we stand a chance to, to actually manage this, this disease can take it no further in the time that I have. Thank you so much then for your thoughts there, Dr. Comfort Shaba Mambane, neurologist, talking to us about strokes and how as a nation we can fight, hopefully beat this condition. Comfort, thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you.